Three, two, one. We are live. We are podcast on location. We are out here in Derby. It's Christmas time, and I'm here with Kelvin Betty. Kelvin, how are you doing? Good. Good to see you again, Dale. For yeah. A few years. Thanks for inviting me over. We had a good little gym session the other day, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. You're still a monster in the gym. Like the old days. Yeah, just apart from the weight on my side, at least you can still <laughs> put. You still push a lot of weight, but yeah, still trying to keep it up there. Right. Yeah. You're looking good. Doing good. Um, I guess let's let's start with. We're here in Derby. How long you been? Uh, how long you been living in Derby? God, I've been in Derby now for about five years. What made you move over here? So I was up in Sheffield, been there for about 10 years, and uh, met Maria online. Uh, and she's from Derby, so I moved down, lived with her for a bit, went to my house out in, in uh, Sheffield, got to know the area, and then managed to sell my house after probably like three years, and then bought the place that I'm in now and renovated it. And so, well, nearly finished it now, um, so it's been a big project. I must say, I mean, coming back to Derby, I mean, been back and forth here over the last few years but it's really changed a lot in the last 20 years compared to when I really did kind of live in this area and it seems like for sport really isn't it there's so much it's amazing like to bring a bring a child up in Derby feel really safe there's a lot of good things uh, to do places to go and it feels like home Mm -hmm. especially after being here five years now and I think that we'll stay here for well the foreseeable future yeah you've got a lovely house like I say just looking at your back uh like your back window here, you've got fields and grass. Yeah. and It's like... nice, it's nice. Like, back in the day, I would have thought, oh, why do I want to look at a field? But yeah, it's yeah, quite nice. nice. Yeah, no, no, I'm totally <laughs> with you on that one. But originally, obviously, from the ones that know you, from Warsop, which yeah. is Mansfield. So maybe tell us a little about the, the scene and growing up in Warsop, you know, which has got, a, obviously, a big BMX community. Yeah. I mean, even going back now, every time I go back to Warsop, it feels like home. It's where I grew up and it's where my roots are. And when I see people that used to go down the track with wheels hanging off the bikes and the chains falling off every five minutes, it's, it's always nice to see them and seeing how they're doing as well. Um, but the scene was amazing back at Warsaw. I mean, you, you could know. almost see the track almost out your bedroom window, right? Yeah, well, we nearly moved to a house, so we could do that. <laughs> That's how much my dad was into yeah, it. Yeah, your dad was so into it. Yeah. yeah. We lived like yeah. half a mile away from the track. Right. But Dad wanted to be even closer to the track. Right. There was a house up for sale where you could see it from, right. from the bedroom window. So he was he was a big influence on me growing up. I guess as most parents are with the kids, but he put that fire in my belly, as did my mum, to go out and, and do well, do my best. And yeah. Achieve the things that I managed to achieve in the sport. Um, but the scene in Warsaw was amazing back in the day. I mean, who's some of the guys? Oh, we had so many. I mean, like me and my brother, we basically lived down there. Yeah. Um, but not not so many people that run the national scene. I mean, you had Craig Edwards, Claire Edwards, but a lot of people just that just went to ride the bikes that could have got to that level, but just didn't have that kind of maybe support from family or you know the money to be able to do it. Um, so I feel really lucky that I had my parents to back me yeah, to be able yeah. to take me to places and you don't really real, realise how much your parents sacrificed until you know, you're a parent yourself. I mean your dad was a star I mean when I was you know mid 90s I would call, you know because your dad had the, or the gate mechanism in his <laughs> yeah. house and his wheelbarrow or he had the, yeah. it locked up and I'd, I'd call your dad I'm like hey Jim can you you know, can I come over and do some gates? And uh, I'd come over and do gates, and you obviously take the afternoon off school. <laughs> yeah. So we had some good good sessions, didn't we, you know? Yeah, it was good times, and I always used to look forward to it. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the biggest influence on me, is having you down there, and Dad kind of being in on it. Right, yeah. Getting me out of school or, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And I used to think, oh, yeah, 
while everyone else is studying. I'm actually studying on the track with right. you. Right. So well, was... we had some great sessions, and to say you was probably 14, 15 then. Yeah. I mean, I was like, oh my god, it's like I can barely beat. I mean, you did beat me at that stage. I'm like, it's going to be tough in the next few years with you coming up. You know. So yeah. you had so much. That was local track knowledge. We we used to have some good ones. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. We definitely yeah. Some, some good times. Um, what year did you uh, get into it then? How did you find it? I guess you probably just walked by the track, right? Or well, my dad, he had a big back garden, really long. I don't, I'm sure you remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like big lawn, and he used to ride around there and tear his nice garden up because um, it was a bit of a show garden, if I'm honest, and it still is. Is a gardener to your dad? Oh, I loves it. So anyway, like obviously being from Warsaw, there wasn't much going on in the town, so we'd go for walks and stuff, and then we came across the track. I used to ride down there when I was three, four, five. And then the club had club nights. So I went to a club night, thought I was pretty good, asked me to come along and do stuff, so I did. And then went to my first race at the Outlaws at Nottingham. It was in February, I think middle of February, 1988. And uh, on the way to the track, my dad actually crashed the car halfway down the street. Oh, wow. And then uh, one of our neighbours... Who, whose daughter raced as well, they took us, there was about six of us in the back of this little mini, went to Nottingham, <laughs> and I remember winning Novice, right. got my first trophy and that was it, I was hooked, right. loved it. Yeah, yeah, so 88 Nottingham, so it would have been, it's actually probably joining back together then, so it would have been UK BMX, MBMX saying, I think it was the end of 88 when it became yeah. EBA. And that's when you, you and Liam kind of got on, started winning some stuff then, right? I think it was 89 that that happened. Okay, did, you're right, yes. I did the BB Brits in 1989. Right. And I know there was one going on at Slough. Right. Um, we did the one at Derby. Yeah. Uh, Alveston. And that was the year after the Greyhound closed. Yes, the Greyhound was the last, 88 was that the was last That was my Greyhound. first Brits. Okay, got it. Got fifth in the semi. Oh, uh, who won your class? Philip Shirtliff. Okay. And he was the world champ. Oh, okay. Time. So right. I had a good age group. Right. There was Philip Shirtliff, Andy Duffield was doing well, um, and quite a few others. Brad Anderson, he's into motocross now. Yeah, he's a top, it's still a, still a good motocross guy, right? Yeah. So I had a really tough age group, and I just thought there's no way that I'm going to be able to, to, you know, to get into that category of top guys. Right. But um, when I've got like Mickey as a trainer, it's, right. yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> there was no other way that I was not going to be. Right. You know, Rocky for that winter came back and did good the year after. So when did you start winning nationals? Like pretty straight off, yeah, pretty like straight away. Started eighty eight, um, and then made like one out of two finals at the two nationals that I did. Um, Chesterfield was my first national, right? And I got last in that final, and I was fuming. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, went out in the semi at Runnymede, same at the Brits. And then uh, started winning a few nationals the year after, competing with Shirtliff. And obviously, I knew that I was at a Who good did level. he ride for? He was from Castleford, but right. he didn't have a team. Huh. Um, he just did his thing, which I really respect. You know, someone's world champ, everyone wanted him, I remember. Yeah. Um, I remember him telling me that Lynx Racing wanted him and Titan wanted him. Yeah. But he just did his own thing. Yeah, that's fair enough. Mm. Huh. So once I knew that I was competing with him, I knew I was, I was at a good level. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was 1889. I beat him at the first... My first time I beat him was at Coxmoor, downhill. Right. It was like a downhill track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, right, I've arrived. And then, obviously, <clears throat> when I... You kind of came onto my radar when you and Liam... Did you both have bullet helmets? Yeah. So what was the whole... For the ones that don't know, Kelvin and Liam, you know, they would... 
be banging out national wins and start to win British championships and stuff, but you guys never had visors on your helmets. So yeah. Was that a gym thing or? No, like <clears throat> we, uh, we started without having peaks and then just thought, well, what's the point? Right. As long as you win, it doesn't matter what you look like. Right, right. And I always thought that. Right. Like, no one looks at what, what bike you've got or <clears throat> what colour your spokes are when you're going over the line in first. Right. So we just went with it. And then we started to, to get the nickname from you guys, like Winnie, you, right, right. <laughs> Injury, and they called us the Bullet Brothers. Right. And we were like, this is, this is good. Right, like, yeah. All the top, all the top uh, pros are watching us and right. giving us nicknames, and we loved it. Yeah. I mean, Liam, he was into these little toy cars, and he used to call each car, like, this is Dale Holmes, and this is Anthony Bevel, <laughs> and this is Tony Fleming. And he used to, like, have his little map at home and it was bombing around these cars doing right. BMX races and calling them all the English pros <laughs> so yeah like to, for, for the English pros to recognise us at that time yeah that was a big thing so we stuck with it we didn't care like we just had a yes helmet a snow visor what bikes were you riding on? GTs Titans Titans yeah Jeff Murray was giving you a deal yeah but on the way to the Worlds actually about a week before the Worlds in Norway our yeah. first ever Worlds in 91 my Titan snapped so my dad had to go up to South Shields or something to fetch one before we went to the Worlds a week after. Um, so that was the only thing about Titans. I cracked a couple of them. Yeah, I think Liam didn't. A but... few people did, I think, yeah. Yeah. So, and then obviously the Worlds <coughs> in, uh, so that was your first Worlds and you was winning and got second, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I went into it and back then it was age on the day. Right. And so because it was in July, I was one of the youngest. My birthday's in May. Liam, his birthday was actually on the day of the final. And he was leading his final down to the first turn. And Santiago Duke came underneath him and crashed, Liam crashed. Right. So I remember watching that and I was really upset for him because obviously, like, my brother and stuff. Yeah. And I remember crying my eyes out. <laughs> on the gate? No, like, just going up because Liam was three years below me. So I right. probably had 10 minutes before I went up. Yeah. And I'd just qualified for the final by riding Stephen Murray's bike in the semi. Right. <laughs> I'd won all day, yeah. got to the semi, and something happened to my cranks. So Stephen was like two semis after me, but that was the nearest size bike that I had. So uh, we asked Jeff if I could borrow it, and I kind of scraped in, got fourth. Yeah. Stephen got in as well, actually, into his final. And then uh, went up, my bike was all fixed, the hole shuttered. Down the second straight, I had an American one side, I can't remember his name, but Benoit Deployer was on the outside of me. He made a good few lines, kept his speed and passed me up the third straight and ended up second. But normally Benoit was a year above me. Okay. His birthday is after September, I think it is. I right. September. Um, and he was the winner of the race the year before in France. So I was, dis- I was disappointed second. Yeah. And you just got second at the Euros as well, right? Yeah, I was really disappointed about that. But it's the way it goes. Yeah, yeah. So about the next couple of years then, did, when did you finally get on the big team then? Was that, what was, was you on Invert? Was you on I invert? was on Wolfsport. Then. Oh, Wolfsport, that was it. We were Invert. Right. And then Tony Edgeworth changed it to Wolfsport. Right. And we went on that for a couple of years. And actually, we were on the podium as a team at that Worlds. We got second. I seem to remember, remember that, yeah. UMCS. Yeah. Scott you, Belmont probably got yeah. second or third, right? Kerry Edgeworth made the final. Right. Liam made the final and I got second. Yeah, that's a good team, yeah. So we got second behind Sun and then MCS Europe that you were on. Oh, that's good. actually really good, yeah. On the podium with Garrett. Okay. Um, with that. You guys got third. 
So yeah. for a little kind of yeah. put together team. I remember Tony was the team manager, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, we were really proud of that team. Yeah. And I look back at all the teams have been on and there's been some really, really good teams. Mm. But you always, always remember you first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to be on that and obviously kind of doing so well and being around such good riders like Nick Gill, Scott Beaumont. Mm. Oh, Nick Gill was on that team as well. Yeah. He won a lot of stuff as well, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I was really proud of that team. I still look back on that with fond memories. Yeah. And Tony put together an amazing team, like Scott was on it as well, Scott Edgeworth. Um, Lee Commode, my brother. I think we're... Oh, uh, Joanne Goff was on it as well. For, okay. At one point. Oh, she's still good, isn't she? Yeah. She's seen all those videos of her. Yeah, so we had a really, really good team. And yeah, like really good memories. What was after that then? So then you just continued, you and Liam, just banging out national titles yeah. and winning pretty much everything, well, right? Well, if I'm honest, like Liam probably was more natural than me. And when we were younger, Liam would train, like, if Dad would say, do a thousand sprints, Liam wouldn't question it. Right. But if he told me to do a thousand, I'd be, always be asking why. Yeah. <laughs> and if I got pissed off at 999, I'd, I'd be like, right, I'm not doing any more. Right, You'd right. have to get, like, you know, coaxed into doing it. Yeah. But Liam was the better trainer out of the both of us, and he had the better attitude. But all that time that my dad was pushing us, it made me kind of ready for when I got into my teenage years, and I mm. kind of took it on myself. Mm. To, to train and, and to work hard. Moving into those mid-age groups, obviously, you know, we talked about <clears> a little bit before we recorded this, Michael Prokop was your, yeah. your big uh, rival in Europe. Uh, tell us a little bit about him and maybe some of the guys who were racing around those times. He was, um, I mean, looking back, of anyone that I raced, he was the one that I could never really quite get the better of. Right. No matter, like, I mean, we talked about it at Dutikum in 96. Yeah. Best gate from the outside I'm coming across. And one of the riders clipped my wheel. I was like nearly full bike length in front in the final. Yeah. And one of the French guys caught my back wheel and I went onto the handlebars and Prokop was at the back. Right. And he still come through and won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just made to win, wasn't he? <clears throat> he was like a magician. He just seemed to be able yeah. to win when he needed to win. Um, but he was never a 10 out of 10 at anything. Right. But I think he was like 9 out of 10 on everything, which made a, him... It was a racer, one not it? He was really an all-round racer. Yeah, yeah. And I've got so much respect for him even now, like... Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, he's such a quiet, shy guy. And he's not, you know, he probably didn't get the credit he really deserved. I mean, no, at I one point, so. he was winning Brian Lopes, at, you know, you know, competing against Brian Lopes and, and beating him, winning world titles mm. in four cross and then... Hopping on the BMX the next week and winning BMX World <laughs> yeah. Cups when you know the World Cups first started or the Supercross, you know. So, if the Olympics had have been maybe between '06 and '08, yeah, in, in between maybe '07, let's say, I yeah. think he probably could have won that. Yeah, and I agree. I think him and Bubba, I've said it numerous times, were probably yeah. a couple of years out of their peak. You know, still good, a great level, but compared to those, you know, '05, '06. Yeah, but, but Bubba was a few years younger than us, so f- for Michael to like be at that level for such a long time yeah and I still think he, even if he'd have carried on after after a weight properly like yeah he'd have won more titles and got more medals I think he liked mountain biking I think he was yeah. really into that and he did that some, the next thing you know he just loves bikes I mean even now he's doing the enduro stuff and yeah and tracks I see him on the internet making different bits and bobs yeah and woods and it's his life isn't it yeah no good guy and hopefully one day I asked him before he didn't want to do it but maybe one day we'll get him We'll get him on the podcast. I'd love to. Yeah. If he's listening to this, please get on a podcast because yeah. I'd love to know what you're up to. Probably. Yeah, now hopefully if he comes out, maybe to the Sea Otter Classic or sometimes he, you know, if he comes out to the US, Michael, we need a podcast, buddy. We do. 
What about uh, some of the guys, you know, in those uh, junior ranks? Um, it was a lot of French riders, and it was in most age groups. Yeah. Like Vincent Poupinon, he was really good. Uh, Michael Deldique, he was the year above me. Yeah, won a lot. Uh, he was winning a lot. But it was a lot of the French riders. And then Jiri Batavec, he won the Worlds in 96. Um, he was always in there, there or thereabouts, like fifth or sixth in Europe, and never really, you know, podiumed or anything. Had the best gate he'd ever got in Brighton and won it. You got fifth right there. Yeah, I hit the gate in the final. <laughs> and George, the main like Andrew, was second, right? Yeah, he was second. Um, I had him in the motos. And we had some good battles. He, he was doing me down the first straight and I was kind of passing him a couple of times, but because he had the first straight, he was always going to be in, in the mix. Yeah, it would have been interesting if you got out of the gate, yeah, for sure. Like, that's one that I can look back on and think that one got away. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably same as Stephen, really, at that at that Wales he was up for winning Stephen there. got like fourth or fifth as well I think he was fifth yeah and he won his semi right yeah um, now Stephen's definitely the highlight of his racing I think or one of his when he was riding yeah. and that's when he was you know me, Martin, Stephen I was still in 96 I was I spent the whole summer in England and uh, was going to crew I think I was doing stuff with you at your track and I was going to crew but I was I, hopping in your car and coming with you that was it yeah yeah, yeah. That was it. yeah I wouldn't get grab Mark I was <laughs> yeah. well on the way and then I rode a lot with Martin and Stephen as well. They didn't go to crew as much, but I'd drive down their way. And, and I know Martin and, and Stephen did a lot, of, a lot of training that year. And they, everybody in our little group did good at Brighton, you know. Marco, like he was, yeah. was he fourth? Fifth? Fourth, Mar- he was fourth in the semi and Martin passed him. Oh, that's yeah. it, yeah, yeah. Saw point. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. But it seemed like our whole little crew, everybody had, yeah, we just, everybody did good at that Worlds. And then it was kind of the kickstart for everybody, I think, you know, yeah. to go on to, obviously Stephen went on to, to do great things. And Martin, you know, obviously had a good career as well um, and obviously he was on GT Europe then wasn't it? that was with us so we brought you into yeah. to GT Europe how was, how was that? that was amazing I'll never ever forget getting my contract through I think it was over winter near Christmas or something and I didn't care what I got for Christmas right. because I had what I wanted and that was a contract ride for GT yeah. that was because you were on it and I always had seen you ride and wanted to kind of emulate everything that you'd done mm-hmm. Like I wanted to be on that same team and to get that, and I know you had a big hand in, in getting me on that team. So yeah, we had a good team, and you deserve to be, you know, your spot, you know. So there's like me, you, uh, Robert DeWild, yeah, Corinne Dolan, yeah. God, being on the same team as those was amazing. Yeah, when I was little, I remember seeing Corinne at um, Slag Harren. Yeah, you know, winning stuff at Slag Harren, and then to be on the same team is yeah amazing. And you was we won team title at '96 Worlds. So you was part of that as well, right? Yeah. Um, we won the, the World Championship yeah, team. In in that. And then I went on to Giant for a couple of years. Oh, okay, yeah. Now, that was in Nottingham, right? They Were were they big yeah. in Nottingham then? Yeah, I, went, I was on Giant for a couple of years. The first year I turned pro in England. So, 97. That's when you turned? That's when I was on... Um, that's when I was on Mosh. Yeah. And Who did you deal with over there? I can't even remember now. I remember Jason Richardson. He was on it in America. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, there was someone at the factory that got in touch with me and gave me this crazy contract to race regionals and yeah, you know, a mountain bike guy that didn't understand. Yeah, that. all yeah. my mates were going out getting drunk at the time because I was about seventeen, eighteen. I got regional bonus to get. I was getting regional bonus, right? Like, Travelling to Drumfield and yeah. Chesterfield. And <laughs> all of a sudden, you were into regionals again. Yeah, yeah. and cruiser. Right, <laughs> I think I remember you telling me this. Yeah, yeah. so it was uh, it was a good time that was. I mean, all the way through my career, it was a good time. Like, I don't really think, you know, obviously, you get high and low points, but I sometimes think, oh, I'd love to go and do it again. Yeah, yeah. And we talk about 
you know when we reminisced the other day, I came right. back and I was thinking, right, with my bike, yeah. I want to go out and do it again. <laughs> but I don't know, it's, life moves on. And it's yeah. just nice to kind of look back and think, you, you know, I had a good time. Well, different scenarios, I always look at your different scenarios. You could have done, you know, okay, I was training too much then, I did this, I had the big Comp 3 tyre on the front. Yeah. and So many would have, could have, should have, but it's still kind of fun to do it in your head, you know, different different scenarios so you turned pro in England and I, I remember that 16 um, yeah. tell us about your first year and, and it wasn't called elite then was it super class then or it was, was it super class pro? yeah okay. super class three mains and that was in 97 and I turned 16 in May so I was I'd raced two nationals already in my own age group yeah and I knew that year I was itching to get into pro right so those two nationals were just a non-entity for me right because um, I just wanted to get in and race you guys. Right. So the first national that I raced pro was four days after my 16th birthday. And uh, kind of just getting through the rounds. And I had some good moto. I had a win in one of the motos. I remember being Flemdog in one of the races. I was like, wow, this is great. Right. <laughs> and I could see he wasn't too happy at Right. Finish. You know, like Reedy was in there, Sean Fields, yeah. you, Revel, Dylan. Sean Fields was good as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And obviously up at Coppel, that mm. was their home track like yes. Dan Reedy yes that class was hard yeah and Scott Beaumont was in there Scott Burston Ian Sharp yeah we had a tough class and uh, I got third in the semi I remember like Martin didn't make it and I remember him coming over the line actually saying well done like that's something I'll always remember Martin Murray saying well done right so lining up for the finals I thought yeah I'm one of the big dogs now <laughs> you know and you lot are all there kind of like you all, all had the banter before the race, but I kind of stood back because right. I was like, oh my God, like, I'm actually <laughs> stood with, with my hero. And uh, we had the three mains and I was lane two, which one on the outside. First yeah. main, Revel was in one. Just cut me straight off. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I was like sixth in that one. Darren O'Neill was in that final as well. Yeah, he was a snapper as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he cut me off in the second one. <laughs> Uh, so I ended up something like 6th, 7th, 5th. So I ended up with 6th overall and came away with, I think, £28. Yeah. So £28 in... Yeah. Not bad. I've kept that pay packet. Oh, you did? I kept it because um, it was my first one. Right. And I was like, right, that's it. Mansfield's the next one. Right. I'm, I'm, podium, I'm podium there. And, uh, yeah, it didn't go to plan because I'd injury, like, trying to take me out. That's when you had the drama with injury, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had him in some of the motos, and he kept pimping me in that first turn. I was right. leading to the first turn I every time. I that, yeah. He was pimping me every time, and I was thinking, what's his deal? Right. And I was talking to Stephen about it after the race, after the motos, and Stephen must have gone and told injury that I was like, <laughs> if he does that again, I'm going to knock him out. <laughs> yeah, typical Stephen Murray. Yeah. You know what you say when, you, when you're young, you're like, oh, I'll knock him out. Right, he carries yeah. on. And I think I said something like that. So Stephen must have gone and told injury. <laughs> and injury came to me after the three mains. And he's like, Beatty, get over here. <laughs> like, Have you got a problem with me? And right. like, everybody was stood around. I remember like, your dad was there, wasn't he? No, my dad wasn't there. <laughs> Flemdog was stood next to me. Right. And I was like, yeah, actually, I have got a problem because I didn't want to lose face in front right. of you lot. And uh, I thought, I'm not going to kind of let him try and bully me. Right. So I stood up and he was like, come on, then you and me down the bottom field. So I said, come on then, <laughs> let's go. A typical injury. Yeah. So uh, Flemdog kind of stepped in and I was like, thank God for that. But um, that was my kind of introduction to the pros. Yeah. And then the next couple of years, so you were still on Giant or what happened after Giant? Um... I went on to Harrow. Oh, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with more and large. 
Um, I had a really good Brits in 97. Actually, that was my first Brits at right. Peterborough. You won. I think Rev's got second. And then Dylan got third, I got fourth. Right. But I had a, I had a third in one of the races. I think I passed Dylan on the last straight. Yeah. So I was buzzing after that. And then Harrow was in touch for the year after, but Martin and Stephen were on. Right. So something happened where I didn't go with them. And then in 90, no, 2000, I started with Martin Large and Harrow. And I had a really good year then. That's when you kind of raced for Florent Boot, right? Was it you and him? Me and him in Europe, we had a good... But what, did he live in England for a while? Florent Boot, he came No, no, no Florent Boot, I'm thinking of Dennis Labigang. Oh yeah, Labigang, he did the Diamondback team. Yes. Martin had moved to Diamondback, Diamondback that was so it. I went on to Harrow. Okay, that was it. Um, so yeah, that's when Labigang was racing in England as yeah. well. Yeah. Which was a, it was a good time then as well. Yeah, he was fast that guy. You were it? in America then. I think. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't come back too much then, yeah. but I seem to remember looking back and seeing you guys still racing. So how was it during those early two thousands then? And then obviously you was getting into Europe and mm. uh, with some of the guys, the Wild, obviously Dylan, yeah, Florent well, Boot. Before that, there was ninety nine, and that was actually my kind of come through year where I won my first national mm-hmm. in England. It was actually at Mansfield, um, so I won my first national there. I had a really good Worlds. And then that led into 2000. World's third, right? Yeah, in junior. Behind Shanahan. Loraldi. Loraldi, okay. Yeah. So Loraldi got second. Yeah. And I had a good cruiser. I got fourth on cruiser. So I came away, actually, in the world rankings, ranked number four. Right. So I was both like you and... Because they used to put the DeWalt. junior... Okay, I remember they used to put the junior yeah. points with the... Milan Krebs, he was a junior as well. He right. was ranked number three in the world. Right. And I was four in the world. And I From was like... junior. Yeah, that's, like, how can I be? Yeah, I remember like, they, you did, lot. they did mix it together, didn't they? Yeah, but because I had good points from the World Cup, the Worlds, and all the junior races in Europe. Yeah, that gave well, me and Milan Krebs had really good points. Yeah, so it was a bit weird to. I remember you had a good Worlds though, yeah, because that was when there was Loraldi, Shanahan, and Chad Hernes, and you yeah. guys were all on GT. You obviously used on GT. Yeah, there was button. there was four of us that went into the cruiser main, and I think three of us took the top three spots in the 20 inch yeah so it was a good world that was and I felt like a real big part of that GT Panasonic team yeah no that was uh, that's when they started combining the stuff for worlds and stuff you know it was uh, yeah and them three guys were always great riders and amateurs in the US you know yeah Um, so then Europe yeah so you won your first national in Mansfield then you started doing a bit more in Europe and yeah and then it was kind of there or thereabouts but it wasn't very often that juniors at that point would go into elite and make a you know, make any waves. Right. So I was kind of getting quarters, semis. And then the year after, when I was on Harrow in 2001, that's when I started making finals. <clears throat> yeah, the first final I made was in Germany. And crashed in the first turn with Dennis Labigang and Pierre-Henri Sors. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he, he, he I remember we crashed in the first turn and he put his hand out. Pierre did to pick me up right and he said go on you can have seven <laughs> thanks oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> that's another ten euros in my, right. my pocket <laughs> so yeah and then um, obviously the, tell us a bit about the next couple of years then so that's who, who so Robert DeWild was probably winning then yeah he was he was a top guy in Europe at that point Florin Boot Florin Boot they, they were the get ones, first or second a lot didn't they yeah they guys, always yeah. used to battle each other and Florin Boot would always try and get them on the last straight yeah because at the time Robert had a Obviously, that like, really good first straight. Yeah. And Florent Boot try and pass him. Yeah. So they had some good battles. And I wasn't, I was nowhere near those two, but mm. I was always in the mix to either be in the semis or the finals. Mm. And then it was a couple of years after that that I started making finals quite regular and in the mix for podiums, like overall podiums and stuff. Yeah. Um, I was never one of the riders that would go and be a favourite to win, but 
I felt as though I was always someone that was in the mix to, you know, get to the final and then, you know, with a good race and a few good moves, you know, maybe make a third or a fourth. Yeah. And that consistency put me in the mix for... I mean, Europe, Europe's always been hard. You can, you can obviously, you can say now, you know, they'll say, well, the, the European series is harder than the US, which I totally, you know, agree. But it was always hard back then. And you yeah. go back even before, you, you, go, you can go back to the 80s all the way through the 90s. And obviously, you know, like I say, when, when you was at a high level in Europe and, you know, elite classes as well, and it's always been deep. It's always been like yeah. nine or ten groups, something. Easy. Know? It's like you never get straight, you know, semis yeah. or anything. And even when you look at the top, say, 20, because I've got, I've got rankings that I keep, you know, that I've printed out, I've taken off the motorboard and, right. and kept. And I look at the names going down, I go, wow, like, I'm not saying legend, you know, because I think that gets thrown around yeah. too easily, but, you know, top rider, top rider, and all the way down mm. to 20, 25, you think, that rider's done something with his career at some point. Yeah. So it's, um, it does show that Europe was a good place to kind of learn your trade, I think, especially for, you know, when it came to the worlds and people passing. Yeah. You see all the European riders kind of in and out in the packs and, and making good moves. Yeah, no, definitely, absolutely. So yeah, it was, I think, um, to learn your trade and be, go from junior to elite for the world level, Europe, for me, was the best place mm. to do it. I mean, obviously, out in America, you had all the best riders at the time, I think. Yeah. But to learn a trade, I think Europe was the best place. And even in England, say you could go in Europe and then you could take a step back and race a lot in England. Like I say, you've yeah. already named off a bunch of fast dudes that were in the elite, you know, super class, yeah. elite pro classes in England. So it's always good competition, you know. All the, all the classes were like what I call real men's classes. Yeah. I mean, every single person that I used to race when I first turned elite in England they were like real men. Right. You know, they would like jack talk, big yeah, legs, yeah. you wouldn't mess with them. Right. <laughs> They'd try and show you who's boss in the corners. Right, right. You don't really get much of that nowadays. No, no, different. Um, it's totally different racing. Yeah. Okay, so, Worlds, next couple of years, obviously, I might be jumping ahead too far, Paris, you was good, and then, you was riding good, even though you crashed in the semi, which was a year heavier one, I seem to remember. Oh, that was, um, Brazil. Yeah. But that, Paris was first. Paris was 05. Mm-hmm. Um, when you crashed in the main on Cruiser, we spoke about that. The yeah, other day. yeah. Kind of made a, you know, I had a decent game in the middle. I know you and Stumpy crashed. No, Stumpy didn't crash. You crashed. You crashed with Wildenberg. Mm. And then I kind of got into about third, fourth, and I think uh, Gaudet made a move on Lang. Yeah. In the last turn, which put me in front for half a second. Right, yeah, yeah. And I caught Gaudet as he went down, and Stumpy made a really good swoop, and he came yeah. to one and I got second but that race actually messed me up for 20 inch because I didn't get to bed till about 3 o'clock you were saying that the night yeah, yeah. and uh, I was just kind of not with it the day after and I think I went out in the 8th yeah. 20 inch um, that's one bubble one yeah yeah he was on it there yeah, yeah. that was a whack hill track they really wanted yeah, the world too it wasn't, short. wasn't too good I guess talking about that, that's kind of when the national team kind of started all the, the second era of a national team which you were part of so maybe talk a little bit about getting into the national team obviously yeah. I came back and did some races and we travelled together you know the structure tells us about that first couple of years yeah. I mean you laugh when we talk about it <laughs> do you know every time I think about when we started the national team I think right. about Klotovi right all yeah. the because <laughs> we've got some good stories from Klotovi right just turning up and saying I wish we were back at home yeah yeah very negative yeah <laughs> I remember it snowing there and yeah that, that race that you had in the motos and you were at the back. And yeah, like, what swing. am I doing here? <laughs> yeah. 
But still, like between us, we pulled some good results out at that race. Well, tell us, so the national team then that was you, me, Sinead. And Liam, Liam was Phillips. in and out of it because he, was, he wasn't quite junior at that point. Okay. So he'd come along and I think he just, they were getting ready to be on the team at that point. And then when he turned junior, I think it was probably maybe 06 or 07, something like that. Yeah, around there. That's, I think actually he was junior in 06 and that was in... Uh, that was Brazil. Yeah. And then the year after was in Canada. But there were still lots of other people that kind of came and went, didn't he? Like, your brother was on it for a little while, yeah. wasn't he? And... Oh, Luke Gamble. Right. My brother. Uh, Chris Jackson. Right. There was a few of them that were in and out of it. Yeah. Because I think they tried to... It was a development develop... team as well, weren't they? Yeah. So they tried to develop it a bit. And some of the lads, I mean, even like my brother will say that they played at it a little bit, got the funding. And... Right. Oh, yes, brother always makes a... <laughs> about the last sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> But, you know, those guys kind of like going out and you know, having a drink, yeah. having a good time. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think they came along and realised it wasn't for them. Right. And then Bloomy was on it for a little bit. Okay. In and out, I think. I can't really remember properly, but he was in and out of it at some point. And yeah. then he did come back onto it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was all right. I mean, we went as a big team and, you know, there was, there was the money there to help us but I don't think we had the right training structure in place right it was so new for everybody wasn't it yeah and I guess a lot of national teams were like that at that point yeah we were the guinea pigs yeah no it really was and uh, I think there was a big struggle in terms of getting your mind into that professional yeah way of running things and you know you and me had travelled together for years yeah and at that point I liked doing it how we did it yeah and then we're being told this is how it's got to be yes and we're waiting for people, you know, people losing bags and... Yeah, wait for Sinead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she left a bag at the hotel. That was it. Just loads of different stuff. And it was sometimes funny, you know, right. looking back, but then it was frustrating because yeah. we'd like to run things how we did yeah. it. Yeah, well, we're always, you're always a little bit edge on, on uh, myself as well when, when it's race weekend because you want certain things yeah. and somebody can throw you off, which obviously throws everybody off then, you know, but... Yeah. It was definitely, yeah. I remember going to, we went, didn't we go to Manchester and we all tested one day, didn't we? Yeah. Seemed to remember, yeah. Seemed, God. Seemed to remember doing that. We weren't used to all that stuff. No, no. We used to be like, right, we've done 10 sprints, like we're done. Right. But being tested and then being made to be nearly sick, you're thinking, yeah. God, what's all this about? Yeah. And I, I remember even the Worlds in Paris, I can't remember, I think Helen Mortimer was taking care of us that weekend. Oh, she was involved yeah. anyway. And I like Helen, she's nice. I know her from mountain biking. Um, I remember she bought somebody and then the deck chair had ice in, in the in yeah. the hands and it was like right before the quarter of seven like Dale sit down there and put your hands in the ice I'm like that was at Klotovi <laughs> okay was it there as well yeah. yeah and I was like well I don't feel like I need to my hands <laughs> to any ice now but yeah what it was it. they yeah. said that the ice went into your veins right in your wrist and that cooled your body down or something right I like I say, like I say, we're guinea pigs I'm sure there's something there but when you're used to doing the, the same thing and I was already in my 30s I changed like Changing the same, you Even know, your routines, point, you know. I follow what you did. Right. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so national team. So it was uh, Paris and then 06 was, was that when we did the Euros in Cheddar? 06. That was about my last year at Leeds. Yeah. yeah. I went to Cheddar, that was my final nail in the coffin with all that. Yeah. Cheddar and then you went to the, I didn't even go to the Worlds. In 06, that yeah. was in, um, that was in Brazil. Yeah, but Cheddar, I remember I was feeling pretty good and me and you, uh, my fault, I Cruiser. crashed Cruiser, me and you were like first, second in the yeah. semi and I tried to make a stupid move or something and took us both out, oh, didn't we? 
first term, wasn't it? Yeah, and that ruined me. I was all scabbed up and that was, I was the like, end yeah. That, I was like, I'm winning this. Yeah. I felt great on Cheddar. And I know you were kind of, you were the only person I was thinking, right, right. I've got to just make sure I beat down. I've got this. Yeah. I was, I'd never won Cruiser at the Euros. <laughs> and, I, and I was, even that point in my career, I'm like, I still want to win with Cruiser. Yeah. It's just something I never did and I always wanted to win Cruiser Euros. And like, same thing, you were riding good and we trained together up to that race. Yeah. And, but, like, yeah, I mean, I think I was too eager and I, you was winning and I tried to hit you or something. And I think you, you yeah. just went a little bit too tight because that first turn threw you up. Yeah, yeah. He threw you up into my back wheel and that right. was it. But then, like you say, you think that was you done for the weekend. Yeah, I was done. That was it for the elite after me. Yeah, yeah. I never recovered after that. It was, well, uh, that was a good... The, the couple of days after that on the Sunday, I've got a picture of that and that was one of my favourite podiums. Being alongside Evo and uh, Thomas. So you got second, right? On Sunday? Evo won. Yeah. I got second, Thomas got third. That's a good result, yeah. I remember like thinking, wow, these, I called them legends. Yeah, yeah. Being on the podium with those two, I was really proud of that result. Well, Evo, I spoke about it a lot with Maris, and, and, and when Evo used to come out with Maris, um, another guy which was a racer, you could beat Evo all yeah. day, but come to he's always a good second, third in a Euro mains, went yeah. he? You know, very consistent, and nothing stood out about him, but he just... He could always he just put got himself. the job done. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing him for the first time in Canada in '97 right. when he won junior with his spins. Yeah, mm. I remember thinking, I like the way that he does things. You know, he's yeah. quite understated, not yes. in your face, and that's how like how I like to go about. Yeah, things. I think Maris obviously took a lot from Evo. And yeah. Evo offered him a lot of uh, yeah, a lot to, to help in his program as well. You know, obviously after he retired as well, and actually he was training Maris when he when he was still racing as well. So. Yeah. But yeah, that's a pretty tough um, podium. Now, that year, Thomas won the overall, right? 06? Evo won. Oh, Evo won. Okay. Yeah. He won it for a good few years, I think. I right. think he had a good run. Maybe three years of back-to-back times. Yeah. Which in Europe was, you know, unheard of at that point. Cause right. Because it's that hard. Yeah, no, totally. So then you went to Brazil, and you was riding good there and yeah. crashed in the semi. Semi. Like right. We had a big, uh, both semis had big pile-ups. Right. So it was... The four outside riders in my semi, we all crashed at the first jump. The Wild, Bubba and you, right? Yeah. And then the other semi, they, had, they crashed in the second turn. Kyle and Christian. Yeah. And then Mike Day got through, Javier got through. Right. So that was a good world, and I think I could have made, obviously, could Yeah, I should have, would have, yeah. Looking at that, I should have been in the final there. And that was a legit world as well. Yeah. Obviously, all the US guys were there, and then obviously all the Euro dudes, you yeah. know. So that was, to be fair, looking back, you know, I raced well, and that was mm-hmm. that. Was that. And then um, the world's the year after in Canada. Um, didn't do so well on 20 inch, think of crashing the quarters and got third on cruiser. And that's Mosquito on cruiser, right? Yeah, and uh, Danny C got second. Okay. And I passed um, Artis Mattersons on the last straight. Oh, well. Yeah, he's a good rider as well. Yeah. Another guy that people don't talk about too much. Yeah, he's another one. Like, you know, you look back and there's riders that have won European titles and stuff like mm. that, like Madison's. Madison's won a World Cup as well. Yeah. And Worlds. I think he doubled at the Worlds in Australia. Yeah. As in junior. In junior, yeah. So, yeah, another... He another, was quick. Another guy. Um, so, carry on, let's... So, I guess you want to get into the Olympics thing started now, Supercross. Yeah. So, let's maybe ease us into, obviously, the word Supercross was going to happen. He was on the national team. Obviously, then your next focus then was making Beijing, right? Yeah. So maybe give us a... So we went to the first uh, Supercross. For me, it was Fréjuice. And we'd never really had any Supercross training. So everyone was coming off this massive hill mm-hmm. thinking, you know, what, what's this supposed to be? Right. The track wasn't great. And I remember at that race, the, uh, 
the starter faced the sea, so the sea was really close to the to the track. Yeah. It was really windy that weekend. So I went into this to the time trials and came away with six, which was really good. And I went into racing feeling great. I've had the inside lanes in the motos, got a few firsts and seconds. It got to the quarters and I was coming out the first turn with Arnold Dubois. And we were second and third. And we weren't taking the pro section, so we went off onto the amateur side. As we went over the first jump, I crashed. And I broke and dislocated both my thumbs and my wrists, and they were a real mess. And at that point, I thought I was going to have to retire. Like The surgeon told me, you might have to retire because your grip won't be mm-hmm. too good. So I spent about three months rehabbing from that. And then um, came back Olympic year, ready to go. Um, done pretty good. Went to all the Euro races, made a couple of finals. And then it was the Euro finals in Germany. Um, I made the final on day one. And went out in the semi on day two. But British, because British Cycling expected that I would get top five at that race, I was told that because I'd not got the top five in either of the days, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be funded to go to the Worlds, or I wasn't going to the Worlds. So at that point, like my world just kind of came... And you had to go to in. the Worlds to qualify for the Olympics, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. because that was the only way that GB were going to get placed by getting it on the day. Right. We'd not been chasing points. Yeah. We were trying to chase the one of the six spots that were available. Yes, I remember now, yeah. At the Worlds. And to be honest, looking back at that point, the countries that were doing it weren't big BMX nations, so we had a really great chance of doing it. Yeah. Um, I just remember the only other country that I thought would be of any competition to us at that time was Italy with Manuel De Vecchi. Yeah. Um, he, and he actually got the first spot at the Worlds, one of those six spots, because he made the semi. Um, so, yeah, like that's when everything kind of how can I say it totally changed because the BMX community found out you know that I wasn't picked to go to the Worlds and there was a bit of uproar and stuff I remember that yeah so they did like a big uh, fund yeah. me or something didn't they yeah like just out of the blue I remember it was a Warsaw Regional everyone was coming up to me saying come on you'll be fine and this and that and I think it was Andy Restor started this like we're going to send Kelvin to the Worlds mm-hmm. but BC had to say yes for me going mm-hmm. so anyway they said right we've getting together this amount of money for you to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going. And I was like, right, I'm going to go and make sure that I qualify. Mm-hmm. But before I went to qualify, <clears throat> obviously the BMX community had got a pot of money together for me. Yeah. So I said to BC, if I go and I qualify the place, the money that has been raised for me, I would like you to refund that and that will go to the Stephen Murray State Strong Fund. Right. And they agreed. Oh, good. So I was like, right, I'm going to go out there and I was so confident that I was going to do it yeah. so I was riding good yeah yeah um, so I went out there and did qualify the spot um, we were the second nation on the list of nations that had not qualified by points Italy was first because Devecchi got seconds uh, sorry to the semis I think and then I got I think it was sixth in the se- sixth in the quarter you know which obviously for BC to look at that and think mm-hmm. is he going to the Olympics and we're going to win a medal but it's about the circumstances about that yeah I was riding good up to that point I had a few first and seconds in the day yeah so just like any time like when you're in the mix and there are thereabouts the last 32 riders anyone can make the final yeah sometimes the quarters are harder than the semis as well you know so um, qualified the spot and then I was thinking right that's me going to the worlds because there was no other rider from GB that had kind of 
done any good at the world. Right. I think Liam had a crash in his motos and not caught. Not and he qualified. was Liam racing junior men then. No, junior, Liam was elite. That was his first year. Oh, elite okay, there. got it, got it. Um, so we came back to England and it was all up in the air what was going to happen. And as you know, on the internet, there was a lot from the BMX community in England about what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, BC called us in and we all went into British Cycling and we had a few talks and this and that. And then we went away for a week and then I got a call and said, you need to book a ticket over to Eagle because we're going to run an Olympic trial in Eagle. So I was like, this is crazy. Like, because we had about six weeks before the Olympics. At yeah, that point. yeah. And I, at that point, I thought, yeah, I've qualified, I've done enough. Yeah. And at that point, I was the best rider in this country for, for quite a while. Yeah. You know, when I kind of took over from you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, I was long gone, yeah. And um, I thought, yeah, like, they'll send me. Yeah. I was 27, probably near my peak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we went over to Eagle. And Liam, he was there. Bloomy, he was invited. So they brought in Bloomfield and Lawrence Knapp? Yeah, so Lawrence had won a national at Hartlepool. Right. They gave him a shot at coming uh, to Eagle. So he, but Lawrence wouldn't even race internationally, right? No, he, he wasn't no. racing. But I think they wanted to to make it like a proper race. But it's still a four man race, right? Yeah. So then Bloomy, he'd not really been doing much that year, but then he got invited, and then Liam, obviously, he was invited, and, and myself. So I went there confident that I'd that I'd win it and get my spot. And on day one, we were training on the track, and um, I remember there was jump the change going into the first turn, and Safiso and a few of the residents there were saying oh no one's jumped it yet and I looked at it and thought I'll get that done yeah and I took off on a soft spot um and crashed so I had to go to hospital I like all cut up and done something to my hands like I still got the scars on it now so I was kind of on the back foot from from the first day mm-hmm. and then they set a date for the actual trial where we'd race against each other and stuff um and it rained that day so it got postponed to the day after, which was then a Sunday. So then we went to the track again, and the team manager at the time forgot to pick the key up the day before, so we had no gate. So again, the trial got cancelled again. <laughs> then the following day, it was a nice day, we are ready to go. Liam fell off in the last corner, and he needed, I think, two stitches in his leg. So then the trial was delayed again. So with a nightmare. Yeah, like... And it was the emotions were so up and down. Yes, yeah. You're starting to get kind of really yeah. wound up. I was still recovering from that crash. And I didn't feel myself. And then we got to the first race. So it was the Wednesday, I think it was. I think it was around 7th, 6th or 7th of July. I just really remember the date. And we got up. I was first pick because I won the time trial. Mm-hmm. We did a time trial and I won that. So I was first pick. I went lane one. And there was a lo- the track was still soft. And I did say to the to the staff, we shouldn't use the inside or outside lanes. We should just use lanes three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be dangerous. Because mm-hmm. it was dangerous at that point. Didn't listen. So in that first final, to be fair, I think Liam snapped me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't backing out. So we carried on down the first straight. And I pulled a little bit back on him. And as we were going up the takeoff of the jump that I crashed on a few, well, the week before... I hit a soft spot and just ploughed straight into the jump and uh, was knocked out cold, totally knocked out cold. Uh, So Liam went on and won that. And then um, 
called an ambulance, I was knocked out, like, I was started to come round and I was saying, get me off this stretcher, I need to go and qualify right. for the Olympics. <laughs> and they're like, what's this guy on? Right. They weren't going to take me to hospital because I was getting that mad. Right. Um, so Flemdog was there and he was like trying to calm me down. And Anyway, I got took to hospital and I was in a bad way. So the, the trial was cancelled and we were all flown back to England and the, I thought that was it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so British cyclists said, look, we'll do another trial. <laughs> um, we'll fly you back out next week. Right. Um, but you've got to go and have a brain scan to make sure that everything's good in your head and stuff. And yeah. I didn't tell them that about my ribs or anything like that because I've broken two ribs. Um, and I've been coughing up a bit of blood as well. And the contusion to my lungs I'd told I'd had, but I'd never really looked into that. Right. So, something with my breathing. So I was like, right, I need to get to Eagle. So I kind of winged it with them got to Eagle and to be fair like in those times we just did time trials because they said it was too dangerous to race to qualify for the Olympics yeah oh my god and um, Liam just Liam killed it like he was in a different he was on a different level to me that that week I was just I was riding at about 70% right I had nothing Um, and that was that and I was gutted it it turned my life upside down yeah I know we talked about it I think I don't know if I said to you like leading up to those Olympics, someone said, to, if someone said to me, the deal is you get to race those Olympics and someone shoot you the day after. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I know it sounds mad, but I would have took that. Mm-hmm. I would have took it. It meant that much to me. I, I remember my, you know, um, what, what, what bothered me about it all, looking in and obviously being friends with you and, you know, just a fan of, you know, racing and, and no disrespect to Liam, but I felt, and that's <laughs> why I, I always had a, you know, and didn't respect him was Grant White the trainer same I agree is is is, is I know you because I've known you since little kid as a rider you're a third or fourth place guy and if you and everybody that's listened to this that understands elite racing knows that the, the Olympics is not like the world the world is deeper mm. more riders once you get to the Olympics it's actually a lot easier. I don't know where it's easier but easier yeah. than the than the world's and I think the British cycling people didn't understand the world's and the Olympics if you go and look at the Olympics now the last I don't know, three cycles, look at the guys that get third or fourth, you know, the, the pack, guys. pack riders, people like you, third, fourth place guys, guys that would get third and fourth all day long, make it to the, you know, scrape into the main on the third or fourth again in the semi, and guess what, third or fourth again, yeah. you know, and I, I truly believe, I've had this conversation with, you know, so many people privately or just with friends when we, you know, bench racing, I really think you would have definitely made the main in Beijing, and I really feel you'd have got third or fourth, maybe even second, you know, it's just the way you ride and the way that that race is set up for you, and that's why I felt Grant White would have probably known that as well, and like I say, Liam was a young guy still coming up, his time did come, mm. you know, he deserved to go in, in 12 and, and, and 16, and it obviously was a contender for both those Olympics, but I really feel that Grant White, and I emailed him, I talked to Dave B, you know, I, I sent messages and stuff when it all went down, and I said, this is, you know, this is how Kelvin races and it, it's not, it's not like the paper that you guys are reading it from results, you yeah. know, and I feel like Grant White should have gone out and pushed for you to, and done the right thing because he would have understand everything I've just said, you know, yeah, obviously, obviously he didn't, you know, so that's why I always had a, a thing about, you know, him at least, you know, so. I mean, you just never know. I mean, I could have gone there and, you know, gone out in the quarters, like, which was the first round that they started at mm-hmm. that point, but like you say my style of riding I could never be one of those guys that are going to be first or second to the first turn but right. 
I'd always have my plan A, B, C and D and E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be able to come through the pack, a bit like maybe Godet or someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Who made the final? The Colombian guys, you know, yeah. just 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 every every Olympic cycle. Them guys, you don't see them all day long and then one gets third and then third or fourth again, you know. Yeah. So. All the medals that I've won, well, apart mm-hmm. from the Masters, all the medals that I've won in cruiser or in junior, that's what happened to me all the way through yeah. through the race day. But like I say, I think that was too early for Liam, but maybe he got the experience from that to then push on to achieve the things yeah. he did. Well, I understand that was their, their way of thinking, yeah. but I feel Grant White as a, a coach, as a, a, a former BMX racer, a guy that he knows everything we, I'm talking about now, he understands because he's, he's, he's a knowledgeable dude, but I feel like he didn't do the right thing there. And the right thing was to to tell those British cycling people, look, BMX racing is a little bit different and uh, this is the way it is. But obviously, I, I feel he didn't do that, whether yeah. he was saying or not. I, I mean, personally, I feel after that world, and it's not just being biased, they should have been like, right, get him out of way, we'll train on that track, get mm-hmm. him ready. You never know, you know, could have gone there, would have again, would have, could have, should have. Yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. Unless it happened. And I, I didn't even watch that Olympics. Yeah, no, but like, I do a lot, didn't it? It took me, I'd say, five to six years to go over that. Yeah. Like, and there was a lot of, con- even after, wasn't there, there was a lot of, I remember yeah. coming back to the British champs and you guys are still all arguing with them. It's a shame because, yeah, yeah. you know, me and, when Liam was growing up, I used to try and help him. I remember, yeah. He with his, do the national team stuff, he was yeah. very a team, team, teammate, you know. Yeah, I thought a lot about Liam and still, I've got respect for what he achieved in his, in his career, but, like, that caused a big kind of, cracking our relationship yeah yeah um, because obviously Liam thought that there was a lot going on behind the scenes which was down to myself and I had nothing to do with it I didn't even look at the internet at that point mm-hmm. I didn't I was not interested in people name calling this and that I just wanted to go and ride my bike at the Olympics yeah and it's yeah. my best and um, it's a shame it went that way because the year after we came to the first national at Derby and at that point this is when I was teaching so I I'd left racing full time and mm-hmm. went to that national and was there to prove a point, as I'm sure Liam was. And uh, kind of passed him in the first turn, but he crashed and I got DQ'd at the finish line. And Ugh. there was all sorts of mayhem, like people talking and people offering each other fights and stuff. I like was that. there. That's the one I was there for. Then I remember your yeah. Liam, your Liam, and I think Pete was yeah, arguing Pete. and stuff. Yeah. And do you know what? It was just a, it was just a mess. And that situation actually wasn't caused by any of the riders. No, yeah, just a... that was caused by British cycling. Mm-hmm. And going back to the point that I was making about the, the Stephen Murray fund, I remember before the Olympic trial, I was up in Manchester, and Shane Sutton came up to me. I was stood in the middle of the velodrome, and he said, "If you think you're getting." that money for the Stephen Murray Fund, you can think twice. Mm-hmm. Like, really nasty. And he didn't say it in that way. He said it a lot stronger than that. And I couldn't say anything back to him because he was basically in control of what was going to happen with that Olympic spot. Yeah. I felt like punching him in the face. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like that, but he's one person that if I could just lay one you know, free punch, right. he'd be the person that would get it. Well, I think he's getting his, his dues now, isn't he, if you read the... Yeah, BBC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember they yeah. called me in. Like BBC News called me in right. a few years ago to talk about it. I was right. Like, yeah, like, I'll, uh, I'll put my two pence in. Right. Yeah. It seems like it's all coming out now with that guy. Anyway. Yeah. So how did you recover then? So obviously, while well, you said it took you a long time to recover, you you continued to race, right? Yeah, then... carried on racing, and the Brits were in Peterborough that year, mm-hmm. and I've not touched my bike since the Olympic trial at all. And then leading into that week. I remember my mum said, look, like, it's what you love doing. Don't just quit. Mm-hmm. And with the Brits, I thought, 
yeah, I'll go and see how I can, you know, if I can win another one. Because mm-hmm. I'd had a good run. I'd won every Brits up until that yeah. point since, I think, 04. So I went there and won it. And I'll never forget coming over the line. And every, I mean, it felt like every single person that was there mm-hmm. came to the finish line. And I was held up on someone's shoulders and there was tears. And mm-hmm. it was really emotional. Yeah. Um, because of all that, you know, that build up to the, the world's not going. And, you know, yeah, yeah, that. yeah. It was just such a roller coaster, and then to finally kind of top the year off and you know win the Brits in front of everybody that had supported me through everything, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was one Brits that I look back on with really good memories. Yeah, but it was emotional. I say emotional as well. Um, and you, you and Liam kind of made made peace, right? There's a few pictures of you guys. Yeah, hanging out and stuff. we hung out, but it, it was just not never going to be the same. It wasn't yeah. the same, like you know. I remember going up to him after I won the Masters in, in 13. That's where I saw a picture of you guys both had the jerseys on. And Liam won the Worlds. And I thought, do you know what? I'm sick of all this bad feeling. Yeah, and this and that. yeah. And he, his team 10 was on the second turn at Birmingham after the Worlds. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to go and congratulate him because I respect what he's done. Yeah. And I went over to him, shook his hand, said, well done. And we had a bit of a sit down and chat. But mm-hmm. even since then, like when I've seen him, sometimes maybe put his head down or you know when you just feel the tension yeah yeah and it's a shame um, but like I say I really respect what he's done or what he did in After, BMX yeah yeah into that because you know to win a world title mm-hmm. in elite is, is yeah, amazing yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously now he, he had to retire yeah but I, I take it a lot of people I race with I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people I've raced with over the years or had, you know, real fierce, me and you have, have had some good rivalries, but we've, we've never let it affect our, yeah. our personal life. We've always had good friends and, and I've got a lot of people like that. I've had a lot of guys that have had a bit of tension here and there. We're still friends and talk, hey, how are you doing? But mm. I, I don't get offended if we're not the best friends because, and, and I'm sure that a lot of these people aren't the same because we all wanted the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's like we all, you know, wanted to win or we wanted to do good. So I don't worry about those friends aren't the greatest friends, even though we are friends, maybe, yeah. you know, because we just wanted the same thing, you know. If, if I was Liam mm. in his position in 08, I'd yeah. have done exactly the same thing. Right. I would have gone to the trial and I would have gone to the Olympics. Yeah. Exactly the same. It wasn't Liam's fault. Right. He was so young British, as well. Yeah, yeah. British cycling. Mm. And I know that they, it affected him in a negative way as well. Because mm-hmm. in the lead up to the, the Olympics, he had people saying all sorts to him. Mm-hmm. Um, in my defence, which I actually didn't, didn't want right yeah yeah um, but that's where I feel like some of the I'll go back to Grant White again I feel like it's his job to, to educate British cycling yeah and, and you still see it with all the national teams over the years and, and continue maybe with some of them I don't, I don't look too deep but that BMX guy that has that experience is like hey guys we're a little bit different this is this this works a little different to velodrome or mm-hmm. road and, and I think you need that guy to kind of explain and I'm sure maybe it happens in some of the successful countries you know obviously Bass probably brought a great flavour into yeah. into the Dutch you know I always use Bass for an example for what he did you know so well he set the blueprint for what they're doing now as well right yeah yeah and I think uh, I think I, I feel that Grant White didn't do that you know and I, I feel like you know and, and it's not just that just the model I, I it looks better now things look better see like the kids race more yeah. watching them and They've had success and, and looks like they're going to continue to with, with Kai and all these young kids coming up. You know, Ross Cullen, I, I, I saw him in America uh, a couple of months ago. He seemed like a good prospect with him and a good kid, you know. So it seems like this Looks like potential. a fun environment to be in. Yeah. And I think for that, like, Bloomy's created that. Right, yeah. Since Grant's left, Bloomy seems like he's doing a really good job in creating a fun environment. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so it's just now getting the results. I yeah. Mean, obviously, Kai's doing really well. Yeah. It'd be nice to see Kyle and train that kind of get. Yeah, back to yeah. Where they've been in the past. Quillen's making a couple Quillen, of minutes yeah. here and there as well. Um, so it'd be great to see the boys do well. I mean, I'm, you know, when they do well, I. Yeah. Like well, you're a fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you are. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to see the British boys doing good. Um, and hopefully, like they'll pull through next year and, and come back with some some silverware from next year. All right, so let's talk maybe uh, after 08. So you switched over to Ireland, right? Yeah. I remember saying this to my parents. I said, I will never, ever pull on a GB jersey again just because of the way they handled the 08 situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was adamant that that was it for me, that I'd never wear that jersey ever again. So because my mum, uh, she was adopted as a baby mm-hmm. with a twin brother, and my grandma, who adopted her, she died probably about 04. Um, so my mum had found a natural parents over in Ireland um, and she got a birth certificate and all that. So that gave me eligibility to race for Ireland. So I was like, right, that's what I'm going to do. So I contacted Irish Cycling, sorry, Cycling Ireland, and they just said, get citizenship. And if you qualify for a European race final, then we'll take you on and we'll start to fund you. Um, so that happened. I got, got the passport and then I raced my first Euro round that year in Cheddar. So obviously I knew the track really well. I was yeah. confident that I was going to make the final. And then in practice, uh, leading up to that race, I uh, and it's actually been on the internet quite a bit, BMX memes, crashes and stuff. We've I think I've seen that one when you fly into the moon. Whatever. Yeah, so I, like, I went into the second jump in practice. This was leading up to the race. Right. And this was on Thursday. And I manualed the second jump. And I clipped out just before it. So as I'm going through the manual, I'm trying to clip back in. Right. Which flipped me out. That was, I saw that, I see that, yeah. That was one of the worst crashes in my career. Could have broke your back watching yeah. that video. So I was in hospital all Friday. And they said, there's no way you're going to race. I said, I've got to race. <laughs> so comes hobbling back to the track on Saturday morning. And uh, I've scraped into the main and got my overall goal, overall goal for the weekend, which was to to make it and then they then fully supported me in funding um, so I didn't even bother racing Sunday I was just in a really bad way Yeah. Um, but yeah that's how I started racing for Ireland and they were really keen on, on me qualifying for the Olympics in, uh, London. in London right? because obviously that would help BMX over there and cycling and get more funding and, and it seemed and like BMX it. was coming because BMX in the 80s obviously before your time or the early 80s was pr- pretty healthy I think and then I think it died and that kind of helped because it seemed like it came back again then, didn't it? With yeah. that little wave, another wave for them guys. Yeah. And I really wanted to be part of that and to grow the sport over there. I didn't just, you know, pull the green jersey on. And you were going over there, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I was passionate about it. Yeah. I still am passionate about it. Um, and see, it'd be great to see a rider come through from Ireland. But mm-hmm. yeah, at that point, I went to the first ever race that was back in Ireland for years and went to that and I was, took my Irish flag and I remember putting it on the, on the start so just dead proud to I've seen all that yeah yeah to represent them and, and hopefully kind of get them a place to grow the sport mm. um, we just didn't turn out that way um, I was still going to all the European rounds not as much because I was working full time as a like, in PE department at the local school um, where I lived so I was kind of running it alongside mm-hmm. that and then it came to Birmingham um, Worlds, right? Yeah, Birmingham Worlds in 2012. 
And um, I had a pretty tough motor. I had Tremanis, Joris, Twan Van Gen. Oh, well. Um, and I can't remember the guy from America. It was a tough motor. Yeah. Got a fourth and a third in the first two races. So I needed like a fifth going into the last one to get through, mm-hmm. which would have qualified me a place for the Olympics because, again, I was going for the place And you knew that before the gate? Yeah. So you needed to get like top five in this I needed up. top five. And I was third. Wow. Third going into the second turn, Joris, Tremarnis, then me. And Twan, he needed a good finish in that race to get through to the next round. Yeah. He made a move on me and we both went down. Ugh. And the American guy who... Uh, who was in it, I can't remember his name, but he'd hit the gate in that one, rolled the first jump, so he thought he was out. Right. And he, he was who I was in competition with, along with another rider, to get to the next round. Yeah. So he came rolling past, the other rider oh. came from the back, and they both got through, and I was out. God, so close. And because of my last result in that race, because people got to the Olympics by being fifth in their moto, mm-hmm. in that, if that makes sense... I was fifth in my moto, but because my last result was an eighth, oh, you I got through. So again, like I, I look back and I think I was ten seconds away. Yeah, I mean, Twan was doing it because he was chasing points, national points, right? And then he obviously went on and made the final at, at that Olympics. Wow! But again, so close. Yeah, and because of her weight, I was able to take that a lot better than what I would have had that not happened yeah but still like looking back like two that basically I had in the palm of my hand yes got away yeah so I just think that it just wasn't meant to be right what um, so what was the plan after that is that when you got masters yeah so that was in 2012 and then I thought right I've never won a world title ever right four seconds in expert classes leading up to that year and then a a second on cruiser at the Worlds and second in one of the junior races at the Worlds. Yeah. So I just thought, I want to be a world champion. Yeah, I want yeah. to know what it feels like right, yeah, yeah. To, to win a world title. So I thought, right, I'm going for, um, I'm going for New Zealand right. next year. So I told our recycling, they were happy with that, fully supported me with it, and uh, went over and we had a really small class there. I think we had quarters. And it was really Javier and Christian that yeah. were going to be my two rivals for that race. And um, Javier was in with me in the semi, and I was really happy about that because I eased off to let him win because mm-hmm. I was banking on Christian winning the other semi. Yeah. So those two could go lane one and two in the final. Yes, when they yeah. picked it, I thought, yes. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, went lane three. Right, kept out of the way. Uh, yeah, kept out of the way, pulled out to the left going into the first turn. They would side by side, mm. rode each other up the turn, and I was going to swoop them no matter what. Mm-hmm. They crashed and... I kind of rode it through to the finish. Yeah, yeah. So that, like I say, talk about plans. That yeah. plan went perfectly. You sensed that one happening already, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. So that was that. And I remember coming over the line and thinking, is that it? Right. <laughs> is, is this how it's supposed to be? Right. Because there was no one there to celebrate with. Right. Uh, apart from my mate Scott, who took Libby Smith um, from once she was racing expert then. Right. And he was there to celebrate with. But it just was like, oh, is that it? So I was a bit, kind of a bit of an anticlimax. Yeah, I remember you ride cruiser there. No, didn't take it. Um, I remember going onto the podium. and I was wanting them to put the blue jersey on. Right. But I stood there and was looking around, waiting for the blue jersey. But they didn't give it me until after I was walking off the podium. Oh, so you didn't get a shot with it. No, I was gutted. Right. Um, so that was that. And then I thought, right, 
I'm going to go for the Olympics in 2016, mm-hmm. but I want to win three consecutive Masters titles. So I'd do Masters 14 and 15. Right. So 14, I thought, right, I won 13, so I'd like to kind of double up mm-hmm. in 14. So I did the cruiser there. But um, Christian was leading, and I tried to pass him on the third straight, and he, I got just in front into the last turn, and he okay, pu- pushed me up, and Morton came past and won. That was it, yeah. That was a tight track, wasn't it? Yeah. So I got second there and won cruiser, and then the following year in Zolder, went there and won that on 20-inch and cruiser. So I kind of... It was nice to regain the title and win a double. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, and then I was ready for 16 because I was in a, riding really good. But two weeks after the Worlds in Zolda, I went to National in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was Kyle was there, Kyle Evans. He was leading the final. And I went into the pro section in third just behind Quillen. And Quillen messed up. So I overshot the second part of the pro set and uh, did my knee ligaments. So basically that I missed like three months of training after mm-hmm. that and I had a lot going on in 16 and went to the Worlds and I had no strength I wasn't really in the mix even though I was there or thereabouts mm-hmm. I wasn't fast enough to qualify or go to the Olympics and race Right. and watching the racing in Rio I was kind of glad that I wasn't there in a way yeah yeah I had EV on the way a few months after and lots going off in my personal life at that point yeah yeah so I wasn't mentally ready for for, to go to the Olympics and and race that. Did you race? You raced just a couple of race British races after that. And yeah, uh, sixteen. After the Olympic qualifier, I didn't race all year. Then raced the Brits because it was at the local track at Derby. Yeah, and then didn't race for a whole year, and then did the Brits again the following year. Made the final and crashed in first turn, and that was my last ever race. And you never raced again. No. Now any. Uh... Any plans to race again? It seems like you've kind of moved on, right? Yeah, I mean, this year I was quite adamant that I was going to go and race the Worlds in Zolder. Yeah. Kind of relive it a little bit. Yeah, that's kept... what first thing I said to you when I saw it the other day. I'm like, you've got to go and do Zolder, man. Yeah. But I've kept the training going, and even now I still go out and do sprints. Right. And, you know, keep fit, go to the gym and lift good weight. Yeah. Do my power cleans. <laughs> well, you, even, you know, I was telling my wife that they have, like, Kelvin's is big and strong as he was, you know, 10 years ago. And didn't, didn't they, like, say you got to put some... Your body fat were too good at one point, wasn't it? Yeah, I was, like, one of the leanest they'd seen. Right. And they asked me to do the kilo on the velodrome. Right. Because I had a good endurance, and my, my acceleration was never up there with the likes of, say, I don't know, I wouldn't be like Chris Hoy or anyone like that, but because my endurance was good, they yeah. thought I could do a good kilo, but that took out the Olympics. Right. Um... So yeah, I just kept training going, and I like it. Yeah, I like going to bed knowing that I've done something. Yeah, you know, good in the day, mm. whether it be training or whether it be work or whatever. So it's just. I was saying Zolder. I, I think I, what I said the other day was uh, Worlds in uh, Holland next year. So no, no desire yeah. for that now. No, because no, like I said, I was going to say this year. Not next year. Either. I was going to do Zolder. Right. But once we booked the wedding, we booked the wedding kind of towards the end of last year right um, we got married the same day that Zolda was on right so I couldn't really tell Maria to couldn't even watch then could you lie no <laughs> <laughs> I was getting updates <laughs> when I was doing my speech you're just checking your phone yeah. right, while you're on the <laughs> I had Peter some BMXs were there <laughs> right Twan went against just one right <laughs> I mean Masters would have been the day before so I possibly could have done that and flown home right but I could have possibly gone there and crashed yeah and got blood all over my your wife my suit, so. yeah not been happy no <laughs> It's just, I, I feel as though my, my life's moved on and the minute that Evie was born, yeah, it, it changed. 
Like my mentality changed. Well, it seems like you've got a lot of great things going on. You know, we're catching up the other day. You've got your so many things. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Yeah, like, I work for a, a charity called Dane Kelly Homes Trust. And it's working alongside athletes and from loads of different sports that have been at a really high level. Kelly Holmes has won the Olympics, right? Yeah. Like she won 2004, she won double gold. Right. 815. So um, she's kind of like the president of it all. Yeah. And, you know, I work alongside people that have been Olympic champions or medalists and world champions in different sports. Yeah. So to listen to their stories and hear how they've gone through sport. Yeah not just doing the work itself but listening to them and working alongside them it's it's a privilege like to work doing doing what I do working yeah. with young people and alongside top athletes it's um it's brilliant and I love doing it what I do I still keep my fingers in BMX like still coach and keep up to date with what's happening so yeah it's enjoyable I mean say Derby Tracks not too far from here it's track, I haven't been to look at it personally but when I look online it looks pretty good now yeah it's amazing the yeah. floodlights and They've got a new committee in there that's really pushing things on. And at the Brits, if you look at the results, there was always a Derby rider in the top three. Oh, right, okay. That club's going to be ruling elite, I'd say, in five years' time. There's going to be three or four from that club that are going to be yeah. right up there. Oh, that's good. Derby's always had a good history. Yeah. You know, keep that history moving forward. Um, I see the Brits are in Leicester next year. Yeah. So they've got a nice track as well, haven't they? Yeah, it's all right. It's yeah. nice. and. They've got good people running that club as well. Yeah. So uh, it's good to keep the Brits in the Midlands, I think. Yeah. Because I grew up on the Brits being in the Midlands. Yes, it always was, wasn't it? Yeah. So like, you know, Derby Greyhound, then it was at Alveston a few years, then American Adventure. American Adventure, yeah, yeah. So to see the Brits in the Midlands and seeing people that I know quite well because of where I live now, mm. doing well, makes me feel really happy to to be part of that because I'm help, you know, helping some of the riders locally yeah. as well. So... It'd be good to see them kind of push on and, and win more titles and hopefully you know, maybe even make it to the Olympics one day. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Would you be interested in doing more coaching, like high-level pros and stuff? Are you kind of over that old part of it? I don't know. It just depends on the circumstances. I mean, I've seen yeah. what it can do for riders, but then I've seen... Yeah. In a, well, I've seen the positive and the negative side. Yes, absolutely. And if I was involved, I'd, I wouldn't want to be involved in any negativity. I've, I've been through it myself. Yeah, yeah. You need to keep it fun, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I'm sure you'd be a huge asset if you ever was. I think it'd be level. more like we talked the other day. You know the tactical side of racing. Yes, that's where I feel there's a lack of coaching. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, from what I see, because obviously I'm not on the circuit. Right. I sometimes watch riders, and I think they've not gone onto the gate with any plan apart from balls out. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where maybe some national teams might kind of benefit from someone coming in and. You know, the likes of yourself because I learned everything from you and being a student of the mm. sport and going into a weekend by the Thursday knowing exactly what you will do you know, yeah, the corner yeah. or... I mean you mean you always talk about that or say the, the national team years you know I mean I mean if you didn't make it one day or I didn't like you would like I didn't like listening to only certain people I can listen to but you were one of the guys I liked you'd be like hey Dale you got a pedal in there or hey you landed on your back wheel and yeah. looked like you're from the 80s or like you <laughs> You knew how I thought and you could say the right thing to me, you know, and like say, for me, there's not many people and we've all got the same probably thing. They only can, you can only listen to so many people yeah. who you respect and you was one of the few guys I would take, uh, take information from, you know, so. We used to do that, like we'd finish, if one of us yeah. went out in the semi or right. quarter, the other one made it, Yeah, you'd be like, right, you've got so-and-so that's going to be picking on the outside of you. Yeah. 
and I had to kind of watch how you'd race maybe in the semi if I'd gone out quarters. And right. So, like I say, you fit that pedal in. Well, even when I watch World Cups now, and again, I, I might be wrong, but, but sometimes when I've been watching all of it all day and I get to the finals, I'm like, why the hell has he picked that gate there? Yeah. And, and I, I don't know, why has he picked in between the two or, you know, stuff that me and you would be dissecting a yeah. bit more, you know. So maybe, maybe they do, or maybe they just load up who's next. I mean, back in the day, I mean, not back in the day, when I was at my peak, I used to know exactly which direction the first straight was at every track, whether it was facing north, south, east, west. Right. And I'd watch the weather the whole week and see which way the wind was blowing. Oh, wow. So I could sometimes even adjust my gear and buy half a gear to make sure that I felt as I'd done everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if people go into it as in-depth right. as that. I'm sure they do in some... Some national teams must do. Yeah. But you got to live and breathe it. Like Absolutely, yeah. Because I know where I probably wasn't as good, maybe say like on third straight, mm. I made up for being a student mm-hmm. of the sport and like knowing exactly what I wanted to get or what I wanted to do from the weekend. Yeah, yeah. So And like I say, your, video, your dad videoed and yeah. you got videos. Of, like I say, it was before the iPad and the, the coach, like, we were kind of looking at videos anyway, you yeah. know? Like, I was watching videos at, at lunchtime at school yeah. because I enjoyed watching it. But I, I didn't know... I was... tracks in the back of school. Right, right. yeah, no, I remember the same kind of thing, you know, and write little, you know, insides and outsides. And yeah. um, I think we we're, were doing it without even knowing what we're doing, it just through the passion, you know? Uh, yeah. You've always had a, a lot of passion. What would you look back at some of your uh, highlights over the years? Highlights? Jeez. Um... I'd say the run that I had at the Brits, I remember winning 13 for my first elite British championship. Right. You won 14. Mm-hmm. And then winning from, from uh, sorry, 04, you won, I won 05, 06, 07, 08, 09, 10. And to that be that consistent. Yeah, yeah. For that long time. Yeah. I'm really proud to, to look back and people might say, oh, it's only your national championships. But people came and went in mm-hmm. those times and some of the young guns were coming through and you know you were there at that, in some of those and I look back and think that was a really good run so I'm really proud of that like uh, domestically but internationally I'd probably say the best feeling that I ever had was coming over the world's mm-hmm. line in 2015 winning the Masters yeah that was a good atmosphere they wanted watching that amazing yeah like, I look back at that and to double up that weekend mm. It was, you know, might just say it's Masters or whatever, but it doesn't matter, like, standing on top of the podium with a gold medal around your neck. In Europe as well, there's always a good, good atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah. I look back at that and that was brilliant. Yeah. Oh, probably 15. So I just wish I could have extended it another year to go into 16. Yeah. With that same mindset and same, being that same physical, you know, as good as what I was in 15. Yeah. I think you, as well, I say, I always treasure all the stuff I did in, in England, you know, national titles, amateur titles in England, British. I love the British championships and you were like me. Like you enjoyed, you know, you, you focused on winning national titles and British championships, but I still don't, well, I do understand it. It's the, the Olympic way now, but I said to Sinead years ago, I'm like, you left so many titles, including mm. with her, with Europeans, you know, by not going. You left so many titles on the table by, and she's like, Dale, you're right, I did. I'm like, you could have still done everything you was doing, but why didn't you want to bang out a bunch of, yeah. you know, I see a lot of those guys don't care too much. I know it's a different mentality now, but I always loved the British Championships. I you did know? that one year yeah. where I didn't go to Coppel, and if I went to Coppel, I would have won the national title. Right. And because of what was going off and the way the mentality that it is now, we all mm. said, oh, you know, we'll leave nationals. Yeah. I look back and I think, yeah. for the sake of a day, going up there and 
know, just going that I needed a top three. Right, yeah. And I threw a national title away and I'm mad mm. with myself for doing yeah. that. Like in 15, I was on for winning the national title. I needed to make both finals that weekend that I crashed and did my knee ligaments. Mm-hmm. I was so upset on the Sunday when I woke up and I couldn't move my leg because I'd not gone to the hospital. Right. You know, and as you get older, you probably treasure those titles Absolutely, probably a lot yeah, more. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because you're thinking, I've, my time's running out. Right. So, yeah, like, I always wanted to make sure I could get as much as I can, mm-hmm. fit it in, mm-hmm. and come away with as much as I can. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think those those British titles, and I know Alan Hill, but Hilly, me and Kelvin's already had a private conversation <laughs> about your titles. <laughs> Cruiser don't quite count. <laughs> yeah. well, it doesn't mean you go to the world. So yeah, we've yeah. got them. It counts, it counts. But yeah, I think Hilly's a still guy, still still chasing all those, so props to him. Yeah. Um, all right, let's say, what's future, future plans? What's, um, just carry on doing what you're doing? Yeah, just doing what I'm doing. I always say this to people now, like my priority is just being the best that I can be. Yeah. I know it sounds probably a bit cheesy, but you'll understand that. Once you become a parent, you'll understand. Yeah. And, you know, I've got, I feel as though everything that I did in BMX has, has been all worth it. You mm-hmm. know, because been able to whatever's happened from BMX I'm kind of benefiting bits benefiting from now yeah you know and even like my mentality of taking you know working hard into everything that I do now doesn't just come from nowhere it's came from BMX yeah so. well you're definitely just coming to your house today and obviously keeping in touch with you you've totally got success after BMX you a beautiful house beautiful family and uh, yeah you're healthy and still buff Still <laughs> yeah. squatting four plates like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good. You know, got married this year. Got beautiful, beautiful little daughter, and I feel like life's good. Yeah. Just uh, all I want to do is be happy. Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's the main thing. That's my main goal in life now. Yeah. And whether that's you know maybe sacrificing a bit of work here or there to spend time with you know the family, then so be it. Yeah, absolutely. Any final uh, shout outs? Anyone you want to say hi to? You're not you're not big on social media, are you? You're no. pretty pretty quiet. You're not really Maria. I leave that to Maria because right. she's quite quite big on social media and successful right. with it. So I don't know. Like I say, because I'm happy with my life, I don't feel like I need to put anything out there and right. you know, kind of put pictures on every other day. Just, yeah, I like to look what everyone else is up to and mm-hmm. keep up to date with the BMX stuff. But yeah, I'm just happy with my own life and. I don't think people want to know if I've been for a 10k run or right. been in squatting. What you had for breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> so, it just got too much on anyway. Right. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, Kelvin, that was absolutely a pleasure talking. It's good hanging out. And uh, yeah, thanks. And uh, we'll catch everybody next time. Yeah. Cheers. See ya.